What's up, guys? Welcome back to podcast episode number 16. Our guest today is a life coach, lead publicist, and owner of White APR, which is a PR agency in New York City. She's also a professor at Fashion Institute of Technology in the Pet Products Marketing Department. Besides that, she also runs the Retails and Sales Pet Expo, a trade show featuring pet products. Known as the Pet Lady, she travels around the country giving pet safety tips and great gift suggestions to pet parents on TV. Our guest was also recently awarded by Pet Age magazine 40 Under 40 and Woman of Influence. Her specialities include public relations, marketing, event planning, brand management, and media spokesperson, specifically but not limited to the pet industry. She enjoys life as a cat farmer to Chance and Sassy and lives in Rockaway Park on the beach in Queens, New York. That being said, let's welcome our guest, Donna Humphrey. Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for being with us. Uh, you know, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, so Donna, uh, we have a lot of things to cover. You know, I mean, your resume is impeccable. So, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, so, so before we dive into that, would you mind taking a moment and telling our audience a little bit about your, about your background, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm originally from California and um, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then I went to San Diego State for university and I have a degree in public relations. And my first job out of college was working at a pet boutique called Muttropolis. And that's where I started working in the pet industry. So I was working at the Muttropolis headquarters in Solana Beach, California, and um, uh, helping do the public relations and marketing for about five stores. And um, at the time, my parents were moving from um, the Bay Area to Thailand. And so our family dog named Winston, he was an old pug, moved in with me. So all of a sudden, I was a pet owner and I was working at a, a, a pet uh, supply chain and doing all their PR and marketing. And after a few years, I quit and I moved to New York City um, in 2007 and um, started my own PR firm. And that's where Whitegate PR was born. And, um, you know, really I had moved to New York City for a job. I had moved to New York to be the marketing manager for a company called Women for Hire. And okay. a couple months after I moved here, I got laid off and, um, I called two people that I knew from San Diego from the pet industry and told them, hey, I'm going to be working in uh, public relations. I'm going to start my own firm. Do you know anyone who might be interested in my services? And they both hired me that day. Oh, wow. So, um, and I've heard, you know, I've heard actually similar stories from other pet PR people that I know um, that it's somehow it's like when it's time to when it's time, it's time. And the universe kind of supports you with that. So. Um, the first couple of years with the PR agency, I was doing all kinds of consumer products and services everywhere from musicians to olive oil to flowers. Um, and then after a couple of years, I decided to niche down and really focus on the pet space, which is where most of my contacts were and most of my experience was in. So I go to the pet trade shows. I go to something called Global Pet Expo and SuperZoo. And then um, along the way, my business partner and I, uh, Nancy Hassel, we started a trade show together called the NYC Retails and Sales Pet Expo. And we really saw that there was a need in the marketplace for a B2B show, a business to business show in Manhattan. Um, 
you know, both of us would walk into, we were both doing PR in the pet industry and we'd both walk into various different pet stores and watch the owner of the store tell people that they don't know where the owner is and they're not sure when they'll be back. And so we saw that there was a real need for um, being able to get in front of the store owners um, for the brands. And so that's why we created the show. And actually our ninth annual NYC Retails and Sales Expo will be coming up um, on May 3rd, 2022. Wow, so, so uh, let me now ask you, so one thing. So what have you seen in terms of, do you think that this pet expo has been a success? for yourself and your partner in terms of educating the, the business owners, pet business owners? Yeah, um, I think the nice thing about our show is that it's really small. Um, so it's a good kind of like starter show or practice show for new up and coming brands. Um, a lot of people in the pet industry are, you know, mom and pop, they start out small, they have an invention or they have, they see a problem in the marketplace that they want to solve. Um, and so they invent their product. Sometimes they get a patent and they're planning or preparing to go to the bigger shows like Global Pet Expo or Super Zoo. But those are really huge, really expensive shows. Um, and so I feel like our show is kind of a good starting place where they can learn to, you know, come up with their display, start to see how it works, um, get their messaging down with how to talk to the retailers, start to get their um, pricing sheets together. Um, as well as um, you know, learn about how to talk to the media. So, and also learn the difference when there's a media person standing in front of you versus when there's a store owner standing in front of you or a pet owner um, and how you kind of talk to those people differently. So um, really we think it's a great place for up and coming brands to start off. However, we've had major, you know, major uh, huge brands that are launching new product lines do our show and had great success as well. Um, I think it's just, it's a chance to get in front of the New York City buyers, which um, there's no, there was no trade show before that, that did that. Um, even with, um, in the pet industry, a lot of um, pet product manufacturers worked with distributors, even the distributors, um, there's not that many distributors that actually cover um, Manhattan or the New York City area. So, so Donna, if I understand correctly, am I correct to say that this expo is an intermediate between the manufacturer and the distributor? Yeah, it's a chance for um, a manufacturer to showcase what they have and, and mm -hmm. um, se sell to, yeah, the retailers that are looking to buy inventory for their stores. And we also invite local media. Oh, that's great. So, so, so let me ask you now, if people want to know, as you said, you have an expo coming up, where can they find this information? Yeah, um, let me see if I can just pull up the website. Um, the, you can always just send me an email. Um, it's whitegatepr at gmail.com. But um, let me make sure I get the URL correctly. I believe it's retailsandsalespetexpo.com. Okay. So, yeah. so we will actually put the in the description of the video. So, you know, if uh, any pet business owner wants to be a yeah. participant, you know, they can definitely reach out to you. We would love that. So I have a question. What came first, white gate PR or the love for pet industry? Um, I was already working in the pet industry before white gate PR was born. So um, yeah, it, you know, it really kind of happened um, while I was at Metropolis. Um, 
my boss there, um, it was a small company and I worked directly for the owner. And um, she came from a background as the marketing director for Jack in the Box. Mm -hmm. And so she really, um, I learned a lot from her and I'm really grateful to her. And um, at a small company, you wear a lot of hats and you do a lot of things. So, um, you know, if you, if you wanna get a lot of experience really quickly, um, a startup is a great place to do that. So um, I was managing all, you know, all e-commerce, all internal communications, all external communications, all press releases, all events, um, SEO, I mean, pretty much everything, email blasts. So, so going back to Whitegate PR now, what are some of the main services that you guys offer? And, and, and as I mentioned in the intro that you're not specifically limited to the pet products, you're also open to other consumer goods and services. Would you mind taking a moment kind of elaborate a little bit more about on the Whitegate PR, please? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so at Whitegate PR, um, we can help any company that's, you know, a product or service um, get into the media. And really that's our strength is media relations. And in the, before the pandemic, um, our strength was really TV. Um, mm -hmm. And with the pandemic, there's been some kind of uh, interesting changes that have happened on the, the TV medium, but, um, Let's see, um, mainly what we do is we help pet product manufacturers um, or pet experts get featured in TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, blogs, and podcasts. Okay. Um, so we're really strong on media relations. We write all the press releases um, and we just so you use have that house. as a tool. So you write all press releases in the house? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, please go ahead, carry on. Yeah, and we, you know, we um, we're we're kind of in charge of all earned media for our clients. So we um, apply for awards for them. We um, submit them personally, their products, their companies for awards. We come up with interesting um, angles and pitches of how we can pitch um, different experts on their team to be experts in the media. And then we also uh, pitch their products for, for example, right now it's all about gift guides. Um, as we get ready for the holiday season, um, I'm talking to gift guides all day long, every day. Um, so that's something that we do a lot of. Um, and, you know, coming up with just interesting pitches that it, at this point in, in my career, I've been doing public relations for a long time. So I try to think like the producer. Um, so really my job is to get the editor or the producer to say yes. And so the more I can think like them and think about what they want, what they're looking for, then the more yeses that I get. Great. So Donna, I, I just want to know, um, I'm very intrigued with the PR world. What is one of the biggest obstacles you face, especially working with an editor of, say, media platform? Um, so it's something that just happened a couple of days ago. Um, uh, there's an editor working on an article on Deadline. She mm -hmm. wrote a you know, sent me a bunch of questions for one of my clients. I sent them to my client. She finished them on time. I sent them back to the editor and the editor was pissed because there was like some typos and some different things. And she uh -huh. said that I, you know, I should have given it to her in perfect form. And it's like, well, I'm trying to get it to you by your deadline lady. You're right. the writer. And she's like going to me, well, most, you know, most PR people proofread what their clients say. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's nice. You know, like, <laughs> Well, what would you like? You know, here's the answers I have for you. I <laughs> oh, wow. That's, 
not an not an not an easy people, right? Not people you can please easily, correct? Usually, um, you know, I just bring that up because it just happened. But usually, um, you know, usually it's fine working with with um, all the different people that I work with. You know, it's usually pretty straightforward. I I say, hey, would you like to interview this person, or would you like to try this thing? And they say yes or no. Um, it's usually know, pretty cut and dry. You know, the reason I ask is because you know I know uh, in your field. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There are very strict guidelines, especially from the editor's point of view, to do a press release on a certain product and services. Well, what's happened over the years is that um, more and more and more people uh, have been writing press releases for non-news. So, um, like what happened, like 10 years ago, if I were to send out a, a news release or a press release on something on one of the wire services, sure. there's these wire services where, um, you know, you can send a press release through them and they have um, editors and people that have already subscribed to receive that kind of media. Well, fast forward. To, so those used to be effective. Um, I find that in today's media landscape, they're really not that effective because the editors are just getting so much information from so many different places that they don't really treat the wires separately. And the wires services like uh, PR Newswire or PR Web are inundating people with non-news press releases. So, um, you know, working in the pet industry, it's not like all of my press releases are hard hitting news. You know, there's some of them are a little bit light and fluffy, but I'm always making sure that whatever press release we put out, it's actually, there's, um, there's something happening, there's something noteworthy, newsworthy, that there's a reason to send out that press release. Um, not just, you know, that we're sending it out about an announcement at the company that's, um, that's you know, not newsworthy, I guess. Uh, you know, it, 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 there is an uh, interesting stat that I found out uh, the pet industry just in the United States, they're expecting an overall uh, revenue of $104 billion, which is close to 6% growth from 2020. And they are saying usually the average highs are 3 to 4%. So, so just from your personal experience, I just want to know, why all of a sudden this significant jump in growth post-pandemic? What, what did pandemic do I'm just very curious to hear from your point of view. So um, even before the pandemic, uh, the pet industry was bigger than candy, video games, and movies combined. Okay, so it's been about $84 billion industry for a year for the last couple of years. Okay. Now with the pandemic, um, what happened is uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, people went out and adopted dogs and cats. Now, a year and a half later, there's a second round of adoption happening. Now really? people are adopting their second pet to keep their first pet happy. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So there is some news. There is some news that there was some returned pets during that time of people who thought they wanted a pet and then they went to, a, you know, it, it didn't work out for them. But what I'm hearing more and more of is that there was the first round of adoption and now there's a second round of adoption. So people who used to be zero pet households are now two pet households. So that can explain a double in uh, revenue pretty quickly. I mean, when you look at um, supplies, food, treatment. Um, also, when you look at the um, 
breakdown of the different um, predictions for pet industry revenue, a lot of it is in the veterinary side. Um, and I think people are becoming better pet owners. I think it's a good thing. People are becoming better pet owners. So they're taking their pet to the vet more often, especially cats. Um, you know, cats used to go to the vet on average once in their lifetime. Now there's been kind of a movement towards having them go once a year. So, um, you know, plus just different things where like 10 years ago, if you saw a dog walking down the street with a jacket on, you might stop and think that was funny. Now right. in New York, at least, if you walk down the street and you see a dog without a jacket on, you know, that, that parent, that pet parent's probably going to get like some scoldings by somebody like, how dare you walk, you know, your pet around in winter without a jacket on. So it's completely shifted the way that we think about pets, the way we treat our pets, you know, um, they used to be outside sleeping in a doghouse and now they're in our beds. Mm -hmm. So it's been a huge shift. So, so globally, the pet industry is close to 230 billion. So if we take just United States, that's almost 50%. I mean, just one country being one of the biggest contributors to the pet industry, you know? So, well, now I want to also talk about life coaching. So, you know, you are also a life coach. Now, what transpired you to also become a life coach besides whatever you're doing right now? Uh, okay, so um, on March 14th of um, 2019, I mm -hmm. flew to Guatemala to go to a one-week retreat. Okay. Uh, when I flew there, uh, I was the last flight that was arriving in the country. And okay. slowly but surely, I, was, I had the last meal at a restaurant. I had the last bus in the country. I had the last taxi in the country. Uh -huh. So Guatemala went on a very strict lockdown, similar to the rest of the world. Theirs was a little bit uh, more severe and more quick because they realized that they were not prepared for it. Correct. And um, so I ended up living in Guatemala for the first three months of the pandemic um, oh from March gosh. until June. And I ended up living down there with um, 11 other people. So there was 12 of us total uh, from all around the world from, um, I think, 10 different countries. And um, during that time, um, you know, I really had some time and space to, you know, think about how I was using my life force energy. And um, while I was there, I uh, shaved my head and made a commitment to myself um, to start helping people um, versus only helping big companies, um, you know, increase their bottom line. So it's more of a dedication to myself of, you know, using, uh, using my life and using my talents to um, help people, uh, not just companies. Wow. So, 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 you know what, I actually came across one of your quotes, which I want to read. I was very intrigued. And this is something also what you mentioned in your, in your uh, quote, I can also relate myself personally, you know. Uh, so I'm going to read this quote, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of things. So you said, I did all the TV segments in the world seeking validation from the outside world, until I learned to self validate. Now I live in the magic of self-love and self-approval. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Like I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> My question to you is now, is life coaching a path to finding your own self on a personal and professional level? Or is it more about 
finding your own self, your own identity, and seeking happiness. I'm just trying to understand. I mean, this quote is really powerful. So I'm just trying to understand your state of mind, you know, behind this. Um, I would actually say it's a little bit different than either of those things. Um, you know, basically what um, I kind of had time and space to process while I was in Guatemala. I was working and doing PR while I was there, but, you know, things were things were slowed down. Things were um, a little bit different. Um, my office was in the garden. Um, so really what I've um, what I've come to realize is um that I um, have a pattern of being codependent. And so in my past, I've been codependent. And so I've done a lot of research and a lot of healing around that for myself. Mm -hmm. And um, in the healing of myself and all the tools that I've learned through that, um, I now wanna share them with other people. I don't, I'm not looking to get healed by helping people. Um, I'm, I've, I've already been on my healing journey and I have a lot of skills and tools and offerings that I'd like to share with other people who might also be going through a hard time. Very interesting. You know, you remind me of that quote, tough times don't last, but tough people do. You know, you, you are definitely one of the examples of that. So I, I really applaud your courage, you know, and personal growth. Uh, a couple of things I want to talk about your coaching. So what do you love most about coaching and is there any specific areas you focus on with your clients? Yeah, I, spoke, I focus on codependency. So people who maybe see that they are people pleasers or mm-hmm. um, you know, always kind of seeking for approval outside of themselves. Um, that's the main uh, population that I wanna work with. And um, I actually um, just wrote a book. It's coming out uh, December 20th, 2021. It's called May All Beings Be Fed. And it's a memoir about my life. And what is um, it? May all be. May all beings be fed. Okay, perfect. Uh, we will definitely have you again, and would love to talk about that, and then also kind of you know let people know. Uh, may all beings be fed. Okay, so you said the so the special area that you work on your clients is codependency. Yeah. Do you think that term codependency? comes from the judgment of the society towards us. Yeah, it's not a great word. And um, there's a lot of stigma around it. And it's not something that people necessarily self-identify with. Um, And so that's part of the kind of the learning phase that I'm in now of, um, you know, how to reach the right people and how to get their attention um, uh, for that work. Because it's... um, yeah, I, I really see um, like codependency and narcissism on the same different sides of the same coin. Okay. And these are kind of topics that are becoming, you know, into our consciousness as a society, but there's mm-hmm. still a lot of confusion around them. Okay. So uh, now is there a right time to hire a life coach or, or from your perspective, at what point in life one must know, you know, what it is time I should seek the help of a life coach? I think it's when you know you've um, maybe tried reaching out to friends and family, and you're just not really satisfied with the conversations that you're having and the input that you're getting. You're not really feeling understood, or not really feeling seen or heard. Um, that's the perfect time to work with a life coach. I mean, uh, whether it's myself or someone else, um, it's really what we do is provide 
um, holding space. So we hold space for whatever it is that you're going through. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like in, in my life, I've gone through a lot of things. So I'm able to hold space for others, um, especially with similar, similar issues. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the direction that I'd like to offer. And then, and then people can find your life coaching on DonnaHumphrey.com. That's right. Yeah. Which we will also have uh, in the description box. I actually took a look and I was very, I saw you have a chart, you know, a big chart on the homepage. I tried to wrap my head around it, but I was like, okay, <laughs> I have to speak with Dara, you know. Uh, so, so people can definitely reach out to you, uh, you know, if they need help with life coaching, you know, finding, you know, as you said, we talked about codependency, DonnaHumphrey.com. Uh, I just have two more questions before I let you go. What makes Donna Humphrey different from the rest of the pack in the life coaching world? Um, I've done a lot of healing modalities um, from Reiki to shamanic breath work to Tantra to um, Um, hypnotism, I've really done a lot of different modalities. So I feel I bring a good mix um, to uh, and options and choices for people. Um, so it's not, there's not like a one set formula when I work with people. It's really about listening and understanding what their needs are and coming up with a solution that um, works for everybody. Perfect. So Donna, last but not the least, I, I want to address our audience listening to this podcast. What is one message that you have for them? You know? Sure. Um, I can share my favorite quote. Um, it's, don't copy the world. Be a different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. I just love that. That's so brilliant. Uh, well, Donna, this has been a pleasure. You know, I would definitely love to have you uh, post December 20th, 2021 to talk about your book, you know, and I promise to definitely get a copy of that book. You know, I would love to read that. So uh, that being said, Dana, once again, really thank you for being a part of our, our podcast. You know, it was an honor and, uh, you know, we wish you all the very best and success in your future endeavors. you know. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.